everyone remain calm. Back for more, huh? Well, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Somebody talk to me! What is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. <laughs> How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. <laughs> Hold on to your butt. <laughs> Seriously? Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 259th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss... All Things Jurassic Park. In today's episode, I I think we're going to do something pretty fun as we're going to dive into the 30th anniversary edition of Jurassic Park by the Folio Society with incredible illustrations from Vector That Fox. Now, this uh, this has been out for a little while now, and it's something that I just got my hands on via the Folio Society themselves, so a huge Huge shout out to them for sending a review copy my way. I was able to get my hands on it, take a look at it, dive into it. I filmed a video unboxing slash little review, which you can find over on our YouTube channel. But uh, I am so excited to devote an entire episode to this. And we're going to kick off this episode with a fantastic interview with Vector That Fox. Now, Vector That Fox, also known as Joe Breeze is interviewed here today by a guest correspondent who is Ben. You may know him over on Twitter as at Jurassic Site B. We'll have all his links in our show notes. But uh, Ben was kind enough to interview Joe and send over the audio to us for the show. I'm blown away. It is amazing. Uh, Ben edited the entire thing, recorded the entire thing himself, and they had a wonderful conversation all about this edition and i think you're gonna absolutely love it so thank you so much to ben ahead of time and to joe as well for recording for us for the jurassic park podcast we really really appreciate it now after you listen to that interview i'm gonna go ahead and give my thoughts in a little review section later on in the show taking a look at the 30th anniversary edition from the folio society and uh yeah little hint looks pretty cool uh (laughs) so check out all the information in our show notes for foliosociety.com you can order your own edition and uh please be sure to check out all of our content surrounding this we're gonna have a lot of stuff posted all over the internet so stay tuned for all that good stuff but first as always let's take care of some quick business if you guys were not aware we are doing a charity drive over on our youtube channel For the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, it's an organization that is uh, pretty near and dear to my family's hearts. We had the, um, the, we had to utilize them recently earlier this year, and uh, they were extremely, extremely helpful to my family, and uh, we couldn't say better things about them. And we wanted the chance to help pay it back to them for the uh, the experience that they gave to us. So after everything they did for us, we wanted to give them some money. So we, we organized, organized a charity drive over on our YouTube channel where you can go ahead and donate on the bottom of any of our videos over the next uh, few days. We've been doing it all last week, and we're going to be doing it all this week as well, and it's going to be ending December 20th. So please 
go to our YouTube channel, check out any of the, the most recent videos, and you'll see that donation button down there. And you can go ahead and donate any uh, amount you want. I think it uh, auto-fills like 5, 20, 50, but you can also choose other and choose any amount you want. But uh, yeah, so far, so good. We did a big charity drive uh fundraiser live stream last week on uh i think it was on wednesday i did a huge live stream it was guys it was literally seven and a half hours long <laughs> yeah it was pretty nuts i uh i wanted to create some awareness for this charity and everything that we were doing to help out and we had on a bunch of people we had caleb burnett on the uh, on the live stream, talking to all the music of Jurassic, we had Victoria from Victoria's Cantina talking toys with me, Jurassic toys, but also other toy franchises as well. Um, we also had Tom Fishenden, who is over in the UK. We couldn't get our timing to work out for the live stream, so we pre-recorded a bunch of content for you, which also played during the live stream. It gave me some time to do, like to take a break and, and say goodnight to my son and do all that good stuff. Um, but we also, um, we had Aaron Beyer from the Jurassic Wire. We talked all about, I don't even know, we just talked about the movie industry, streaming, and what's going on with Warner Brothers, but we also talked about how that fits into with uh, everything with Jurassic World's minion and the franchise as well and then we rounded out the uh, entire live stream um, with a conversation with Jay Jurassic who was kind enough to just pop on after hopping into the live stream for a little bit so it was pretty amazing a seven and a half hour uh, live stream you can find it still it is uploaded on our YouTube channel uh, I don't expect everybody to watch all seven and a half hours but Man, you know, you'd think I'd be tired at the end of that, but I was I was having so much fun. It was such a blast talking with everybody and chatting with the people that were there for the live stream. And of course, raising money. I think we got over $500 that night alone. So please uh, head to any of our YouTube videos and click that donate button and donate to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Like I said, they mean a lot to us and my family here. Uh, they really, really helped us out earlier this year. And I want to help give it back to them so that other families can have the experience that we were able to have. The donations go to things like breakthroughs, um, you know, training for their staff, and the family experience. So I think, uh, I think it's a good opportunity for everybody in the Jurassic community to help give back this holiday season. Um, but yeah, over on our YouTube channel, we had so many videos. I'm not going to... Uh, bore you too much with all the content that we did but we had all kinds of toy reviews and toy hunts and all that stuff i put up a uh, article on the website that showcases all the videos that we had last week and this week we're gonna have a ton of stuff as well we have the unboxing of the folio society book we have more toy hunts we have more toy reviews we have I don't even know. We have so much stuff coming this week, so please uh, stay tuned to our YouTube channel. Just search, search for the Jurassic Park Podcast on YouTube, and you'll find all of our stuff over there. And also be uh, alert for our website. We're going to have a bunch of articles and stuff posting this week and certainly some stuff related to the book as well. So stay tuned over there, and uh, you've got to keep your eyes out because we might be giving away a few copies here as well. So I know Ben has secured a few copies, and we're going to look to do some cool stuff as far as the giveaway is concerned. So please keep your eyes out. Maybe we'll throw something out there for the live stream 
next week or this week so stay tuned we're gonna have a live stream probably this wednesday night um talking all about this book and all kinds of other drastic topics hopefully uh, that's gonna be our chance to give away some stuff we're gonna work out those details but stay tuned to our social media to our website and to our youtube as we're gonna have a lot of fun content for you this week But I know that was a very long-winded intro. I wanted to get all that information out there for you guys. But now, let's kick it over to Ben for an awesome interview with Joe Breeze, a.k.a. Vector That Fox, the artist who illustrated the 30th anniversary edition of Jurassic Park from the Folio Society. Right, okay, so this is Ben from Jurassic Site B. Today I'm joined by Vector That Fox, aka Joe Breeze. Uh, she's joining me today to talk about the work she's done on the 30th anniversary edition of Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton, published by the Folio Society. Hi, Joe, how Hello. are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. Oh, so it's an absolute pleasure for me. Um, I have to say, I have the book in my possession. And it's absolutely fantastic. I'm so pleased. I'm really blown away by the work that you've done here. Thanks so much. My first question is, what was your journey to becoming a professional illustrator? And was there anyone who inspired or drove you to pursue it as a creative career? I suppose... Yes, is the easy answer. My mum is an illustrator. It's the first sort of adult profession I came across, really. And her father was a calligrapher and a sign painter. Uh, My grandmother, her mother, was a typesetter for Penguin Books. So I would say that it's probably quite a family affair. Although originally growing up, I did want to be a firefighter based on the British kids' TV show Fireman Sam. I thought it looked great <laughs> fun. <laughs> it was only around okay. the sort of September the 11th um, happenings that I realised that it's an incredibly dangerous job and that maybe I wanted to be indoors a bit more. At home, we used to draw a lot anyway. I didn't realise that other families didn't all draw together. We got banned from yeah. playing Pictionary on holiday with other families because we were too good at it and even now we we're told to draw with the wrong hand but um really yeah so so I guess illustration's always been in the house and yeah so I pursued sort of art and graphics and things like that at school and then went to go and do graphic design and illustration at university it sort of just came from there really oh that's fantastic so you've just been surrounded by it you know all your life really yeah I don't really know another way I know a lot of people just sort of stop drawing when they sort of reach they're sort of teens and and that just never happened for me I just carried on so how did you become the artist on the novel and how did you, how do you feel about being involved in what in my opinion is the the greatest book of all time yeah I agree I think it has to be my favorite book it's I do like The Martian as well by Andy Weir but I mean nothing beats Jurassic Park I don't think as a as a book i was approached by the art director sherry g at folio society and i believe she found me through my website so that's good it means my poorly constructed seo and stuff like that actually worked just tagging dinosaurs as much as possible clearly just actually paid off so yeah really sort of quite traditional route that my yeah my website worked and I got an email and that was December of last year 2019 and the email was like 
we don't have a license, we might not get it, we're not expecting to get it, but we're going to pitch for it anyway. I'll let you know now, it's Jurassic Park, would you be interested? And I've I've never been more interested <laughs> in my life. I had to reread it several times to see, <laughs> I didn't quite trust it at first, it seemed too good to be true. And then so, of course I said yes, please do, please put me forward, I can't think of anything better, dream job. And then on the 8th of January, on my birthday of this year, they let me know that the licence was approved. So, yeah, the greatest gift of all time. <laughs> on your actual <laughs> on my birthday? actual birthday. So many reasons oh to celebrate gosh. that night. So we kicked off in January, and I think I finished everything sort of mid-May. Right, Yeah, okay. and then I had to be very quiet about it until yeah, my the gosh. 14th of October. So that was really hard, especially with the lockdowns, the COVID-19 problems that have occurred this year, which means I've just been sat at home with this huge thing that I wanted to talk about that I couldn't. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been it's been a struggle. I don't know how you manage that, to be honest with you. I mean, it would have been must have been so exciting for you. It's ridiculous. And, I mean, just receiving that initial email in, in, in itself, you know, with them saying that they didn't know if they were going to get it or whatever and they were they were pitching for it in the hope that they would and that they that you know that they came across your your work and they wanted you to get involved I mean goodness me it must have been absolutely over the moon yeah they said don't get your hopes up and I I couldn't help it I wanted to tell everyone I passed in the street it was yeah it's mad it's really mad I'm so happy it came true <laughs> checking your inbox all the time oh, for, constantly. for some sort of yeah, update refresh refresh how did you decide on what scenes to depict in the novel? Because obviously, I mean, there's a number of them. In fact, pretty much the books start to finish is full of fantastic opportunities, I would imagine, to draw. So it was, it was quite amazing. The, the sort of art direction was uh, essentially, you know, you're going to have six inside illustrations. We'll let you sort of choose the ones you want and we'll discuss those choices, but we do sort of require that they're fairly evenly staggered throughout the book. You know, we don't want to front load the book with images and then there's nothing for the rest of it. So yeah, basically I got, got the copy of the book. We made sure that we all had the same copy of the book and that was just so we could talk about page numbers and things as we move forward. And then essentially I just, I went through the book and every time I got to a moment that sounded promising for a scene or was just really descriptive or interesting or you know every time it featured a new dinosaur or a new character I just scribbled on that uh, piece of paper made a terrible little doodle of what was happening in my head at the time and slipped that into the book on that page so ultimately at the end of sort of rereading it I had all these bookmarks of where was possible and then I really dorkily um, converted all that information into a spreadsheet with um headings like uh, the dinosaur and the context, uh, the setting, the weather, the mood, the reason for or against using that sort of particular moment. And I also made a note of whether it was in the film or whether it was different to the film, because I think both of those are quite interesting reasons to pick out particular scenes. Not to jump ahead from maybe what you're going to ask next, but for example, the T-Rex attacking the Land Cruiser is an iconic moment, I think, in both the book and the film. That was something I was really pushing as a scene, either on the cover or inside somewhere. Um, but then equally, I think there's a few moments that are so different from the film, they needed to be celebrated. So, yeah, it went from there. Yeah. I pitched about 15 different ideas and 
they whittled it down in the end to the ones they liked. Although I did get feedback from my original sort of ideas and sketches that I didn't include any people. But I was so excited about the dinosaurs. In my opinion, we all know what people look like, um, but we might not know what those dinosaurs look like. And also, I got encouraged to include some figures. I was really careful in drawing the, the human figures within the scenes that I have, just because... We we all know what the characters look like in the films and we all probably have an idea of what they look like from the book. So it was a bit like I would be wrong either way whether I drew Sam Neill or didn't draw Sam Neill. Like, it just felt like it was tricky in either direction. So, yeah, I had to be really careful and, you know, pay tribute to the descriptions in the book as well. Like, obviously, Alan has a beard in the book and, you know, Tim has glasses and all those little details that I wanted to make sure were accurate to the book and not sort of not give credit to the film that essentially hadn't come out yet when the book was written. So I wanted to make sure it was accurate to the book. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's great. I I noticed those details. I'm glad. The Jurassic Park fan community were in my mind the entire time. I know the illustration community are going to be fussy about certain things, about perspective grids and all that sort of stuff, different angles. But the Jurassic Park fans, I was like, I have to get this right because I know know they'll know. And I can't face that if I get something wrong. So, yeah. The details were really important to me. Well, it shines through. I mean, definitely. You've got the labs, the lab scene there where you've got uh, Grant with his beard and you've got uh, Dr. Wu uh, opening the door and you've got the back of Ellie or the side. I snuck her in, but not too much. I didn't, I didn't want to directly draw Laura Dern, but I also did not want to. I mean, it's great. And also in the, the Avery uh, with Tim with his glasses. Um, and he's very, he's very obviously older than Lex. Um, whereas he in the has film, to be, yeah, it's, but it's the other so tricky. Way Just trying to get that balance right. That's why. That's partly why they're so small in that scene, <laughs> so I could get away with it a little bit. I love that image. We'll come to that image in a minute. I mean, it's it's really really good. So I've I'm, I'm wanted to try and go through the the images in novel order and ask you a little bit about the illustration and the mood and the feel that you were going for in each of them. If that's okay. So the first one I've got. I mean, the front cover. Is is essentially a, a a scene that comes later on in the in the movie in, in the movie <laughs> comes <laughs> late, comes later on in the book. Looking at ju- judging by the the footprints there, is that that the is that at the end when Grant and uh, Gennaro are going after the uh, Anelia going after the raptor? It, it could be. I would say that the the raptors are sort of my interpretation of the ones that are not so well known to the staff on the island um the ones that are sort of sneaking around the edges and doing their own thing and you know there's a human element with the footprints and the sensor box on the back and the fence and things like that but ultimately the the raptors are doing what they want and going where they want um so i wanted to make sure that was quite ambiguous you know you don't know which side of the fence they're on but i don't know if you spotted on the sensor box i actually used the code for the t-rex paddock um the way it's listed in the in the book itself. Yeah, I kind of felt like it was either that moment or perhaps when Grant and the kids are going through sort of trying to find their way back following the sensors. But ultimately the idea was, you know, the raptors the raptors feature more heavily in the book, I think. They're more the leading sort of dinosaur species in my opinion anyway. It just made sense to have them sort of dominate the cover as long as we made sure the T-Rex gets a 
a feature inside somewhere. The raptors made sense, and this was sort of a scene that really put you on the island, which I think helped as well. It's really... My art director said, make it tropical, make it as vibrant as possible. I hadn't picked up on the T-Rex paddock. Uh, being I'm on sorry the to spoil that so for you. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely chuffed to bits because I had I'd missed that. And what's great about it is the idea that sort of whilst you're reading the book and you're carrying on with uh, following Grant through through the through the park with the kids, it's the idea that these guys are actually sort of almost behind them. Um, so it kind of adds another perspective to the story that you know it just throws another element in. So yeah, no, that's. I quite like the idea of making them seem quite cheeky and rascally and um, yeah, sort of playing tricks and running the show, ultimately. Yeah, and you've got the, the sickle claw all over them as well, so that's great. And it, it's intriguing with the footprint. You know, it looks great. And also the having the fence there, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I, I love the characters and I love the dinosaurs, but what really, really intrigues me is the island. I love the idea of this facility that's been built that no one really knows about. Oh, definitely that's been designed to contain these animals, which clearly isn't working just from the front cover. But it, it, just seeing the fence there amongst the, the, the ferns and the, the greenery uh, is it, it's great. It really brings the front cover out. And also we've got the, um, the texture on the novel itself. We've got texture on the, the sort of lead raptor, so the main raptor on the front there. And that gives a bit of a sheen that picks up off the light as well. So it sort of almost sits out from the page. Yeah, I'd love to claim credit for that, but that wasn't my idea. That was that was the Folio Society um, who came up with that one. And yeah, I agree, it's really fun because in certain sort of angles and lights, you don't see it at all. And then it just sort of catches you and twinkles. Yeah, I'm really pleased with it. I love the detail on the eye. That as was well. a lot of I think fun. That, it, it really feels like it's, uh, it's looking your way. That's the plot. I wanted it to be as sinister as possible. Yeah, make it pop. They've almost got this sort of aggressive cheekiness about them like you said it's a bit sort of like we're on we're on to you yeah which is what i got from the from the book itself the whole vibe for me is that the sort of the raptors are running the show but the humans refuse to admit it in a way and also the fact that fundamentally the grant and the kids are trying to get back to the visitor center to to let the guys know that um there's a raptor on the boat which you know the potential for a bit of a mess at the other end is is quite large really isn't it so so yeah, the faster they move, the better. So when you open the front cover, we've got this this green sketch with the raptor eggs. The end papers. The end papers. Right. Okay. That's how they describe them. So that's what we'll go with. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the end papers here, and I don't know if this is me or whether it was intentional on your part, but I could definitely see a a dinosaur skull coming out of that cracked egg. Yeah, that was intentional. That uh, so when I'm not sort of drawing Jurassic Park and ignoring the rest of the world. I do a lot of um, like editorial magazine illustrations. So I do enjoy making sort of visual metaphors or, you know, sort of combining shapes and imagery and stuff. Um, so this, this illustration on the inside of the end papers was actually one of the sketches that I'd done for the cover design. I'd, I oh, think okay. I pitched, pitched about, how many did I pitch? About 12 sort of cover ideas. And they loved this one, but didn't think it had quite enough energy to be the cover. So so then they suggested that we make it the end papers instead and just print sort of simple line work on top of green paper. So again, I can't take any credit for the idea, just the drawing. But yeah, the plan was to sort of hide a bit of a, a skull somewhere and then have the little feet coming off. Yeah. 
because it looks great and uh, particularly the eye the eye even though it's a cracked egg it just it looks like an eye so it works really well it looks really good yeah thank you i'm really fussy about making things look believable and accurate so sort of getting that balance between making it look like a face but still looking like a broken egg is definitely a challenge i like the idea that maybe some people won't see it until maybe they're listening to this. A bit like the T-Rex the, the paddock detail on the sensor as well. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It's like a, a Where's Wally. I looked at it and I uh, thought, oh yeah, you know, the raptor egg is cracked and the little, th and I thought, hold on a minute. So I picked that out. I was quite pleased with myself. It, it looks great. It's really good. Thank you very much. <laughs> and also I think it, it sort of ties in nicely with the cover in that it adds to the cheekiness in that, yes, the raptors are breeding. You know, if you haven't read the novel and this is the first time, it's a nice little, Easter egg to pick up later. No no pun intended, but yeah. yeah. I liked the idea yeah. that it sort of led on from the cheeky raptors on the cover. Absolutely. And again, it's a fundamental part of the story, ultimately, the fact that the systems yeah. that they have in place for counting these animals and making sure they've got the right amount of animals, it's just completely I think flawed. it's my favourite moment in the novel itself, actually. That, that sort of, uh-oh, yeah, we never considered... Again, spoiler alert, yeah. just that moment of human error, just ridiculous human error. I love yeah. it. I think what's fantastic about the book being coming out as a 30th anniversary edition and with the images as well, is that people that haven't read the book get to see this um, and get to see it like this. There's quite a lot of people that I know who who were surprised to learn a book came before the film. It's, I know it's absolute. It sounds horrific to me um, that people wouldn't know there's a book, but there are people who don't know there's a book. So I, yeah, I'm glad that there's another opportunity for them to find that and have a read. Because I think it feels like an extra... I mean, it's the original, but it feels like bonus material because there are differences and, and changes. It feels like more Jurassic Park, in my opinion, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I'm a huge fan of both the book and the film. I think, yes, the film didn't cover every aspect of the book, but I think the film in itself, just as it is, is perfect. And I think the book as it is, just as it is, is Yeah, perfect. I agree. I think, I don't know if it's ever happened with any other sort of book-to-film relationship where you can completely appreciate and accept any changes that were made. I think it's, it's really rare. And um, yeah, maybe why the community is so big and so powerful. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to the next one, which I've called in my notes, Welcome to Jurassic Park, <laughs> <laughs> which is the scene where they land um, on the island and they're, they're walking down and they see the apatosaurs. Um, yeah which is just fantastic. It's such a well-written chapter and it really sort of yeah. brings the intrigue and the majesty of the, the animals and the idea of these people that are, you know, paleontologists and involved in, in the world of dinosaurs could never imagine that they would have seen one and then all of a sudden they, there they are in front of them. I always really like the fact that in the novel, you know, it's just, it's much more crudely presented. Definitely. It's, it's the grand gates opening. It's, yeah, it's so different than a, a crudely painted, I believe was the term, crudely painted uh, signage above the path, sort of leading out of the forest and into the tropics. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's sort of why we ended up choosing that for the title. Did you decide for it to be in um, black and white or was that the publisher's? Or was there a reason behind it? That was a requirement for the the sort of publishing of it. It was 
it was suggested that it was either a single page in colour or a double page spread in black and white. I loved the idea of having a double page spread, so I, I requested that we went that route. Just the idea of coming out of the forest into the sort of panoramic view of the rest of the island and seeing the apatosaurs and, you know, the, the brachiosaurus scene from the film is is wonderful, but this is different and I I wanted to highlight that because I, I don't want the I don't want the apatosaurus sort of herd to get looked over. The it just it like you said, it's just described so well. It just seemed like a really nice yeah. moment. And also a contrast to many other parts of the book. It's quite calm and peaceful and happy and bright. It's before the, the chaos ensues. Exactly. It's the it's the blissful ignorance at the beginning. You must have been absolutely chuffed to bits with it saying Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park, illustrated by Vector that Fox. I mean, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, Correct. Yeah, it's just mad. It's absolutely mad. I, I still don't quite believe it, to be honest. I, it's so unfortunate he's not around anymore. And yeah, that would have been too good to be true, maybe. To have it sort of signed by him would have been unreal. But, you know, having my name next to his is uh, pretty perfect. The next image is the compies and the baby. I'm surprised I was allowed to draw this one. I was, I thought I'm maybe... really pleased you were. <laughs> I thought maybe it was too dark and they wouldn't let me. Um, I did have a version of the illustration where there was a lot more blood on the basket. But I thought I'd. There's no way. It's not fair. It's it's already shocking enough. Um, I'll leave it with just on the compies' faces. That's horrible enough. It's the first moment of pure horror, and I think it's a great sort of introduction to everything that follows. In the same way that they start the second film with the with the little girl being attacked on the beach. I think I think the compies are just fantastic. Um, I shot myself in the foot a little bit with it because. Um, there's not much reference for Costa Rican jungle clinics in the late 1980s. I had to sort of really dig around on them. I did a lot of research for that one, just sort of uh, looking through old Flickr albums from sort of medical students who sort of volunteered in the jungle and things like that, just trying to get sort of the right idea of what that room might look like. It took quite a long time, actually, to sort of figure it out. Ultimately, just drawing the yeah. dinosaurs was the fun bit. And um, and the lightning as well. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed doing the lightning. Yeah, the the um, I mean, uh, there's so many takeaways here for me personally that I absolutely love. I like I love seeing Costa Rica on the map. I always forgot about that. Yeah, I wanted some sort of medical poster. Mosquitoes were an issue. Well, and also the mosquitoes um, uh, ultimately carrying the DNA as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's a nice sort of way to add them in secretly. Yeah. I like the tin roof as well. That took a lot of um, planning. <laughs> Why was that? To actually draw those at the right angle, that took a while to work out the sort of perspective grid that I would use. I've never been so good at drawing grids in my life, but I knew I had to get this right, so I committed to it. So, uh, what's so? T tell me about perspective grid. What how that works in the process? In the past, I've made things quite hard for myself in that I've not really used one, and I've relied on my sort of naked eye to work out the angle of things and where they should be. And it's a terrible habit and I should never do it. But for this, I really knew I had to get it perfect. So before I'd sort of do a rough sort of drawing of the scene that I wanted. But then when I'd figured all that out, I actually drew essentially plans for the building um, where I mocked out where things would go and where they would come from and what sort of 
the eye level viewpoint would be it's all really boring sort of maths and I wanted the corner of the room so you could get the window where the the compies had come in but also enough space for the the basket and things like that so it's yeah it's a lot of structural planning a lot of interior decorating and and things like that before I actually got to the fun part of so drawing and colouring in, but it had to be done. I couldn't, I couldn't have it be a drawing that I wasn't pleased with, immortalised in my favourite book. <laughs> I think my favourite thing personally about the image is the shadow. That was hard. It really, <laughs> really gives the image a dimension. Yeah, again, it's just my fussiness. I get really sort of hell-bent on making sure that things look as accurate as I can make them. So, yeah, the shadows were fun to work out. Right, so... Let's go on to the uh, scientists in the lab is the next one I've got here, um, which let's talk about this image. So this really sits out from the page. So what was the uh, what what was the process here? What was the thought behind this this image? Um, this actually came in in the second wave of of suggestions. Um, partly because I'd, I'd pitched all dinosaurs and nothing else. So originally I was thinking around this area of the book doing um, the moment where the velociraptors sort of slam themselves against the fence and sort of shock everyone from that. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd not included enough people and then I realised that I'd maybe not included enough science in my ideas and actually this is quite a scientific process that we go through especially in the novel i think this is my favorite to draw um, making up the sort of robotic arms that prod the eggs and things like that was really fun i felt powerful sort of designing those i went all elon musky for a bit you see the tour entering the room but they're not the focus of the room um i didn't want it to be like you know looking over the backs of loads of people's heads so it made sense to sort of see it from the other side of the room and, and catch all the mistiness and all the screens and and all the stuff that was quite revolutionary at the time. So obviously the computers were a bit different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Michael Crichton, he goes into such detail when he's describing um, places. It's such a gift. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it, it really is. And definitely, I mean, I, looking at the image after you said that, um, where we've got the um, the, the main cast... Um, just coming through the door there, but actually in the foreground, you've got the scientists working. You can feel that that's all going on. That was all going on before they got there. So yeah. they're just, you know, they they re they feel like the visitors. Another thing I, I saw in this room, and I, I don't know whether um, it's just me, is it's interesting that you chose uh, the, the Stegosaurus and the Triceratops um, to be up on the, the monitors there. Because the Stegosaurus, obviously, they feature uh, in the book, they're poorly later on in the book. Um, and they were swapped out in the movie. Yeah, instead of the Triceratops. Because it was Spielberg's favourite dinosaur. I understand. I, I understand why they did that. It makes sense. And, and I think in general, Triceratops had a lot more fans at the time. I think it is a lot of people's favourite. So I I understood why they did it. But yeah, it, it kind of seemed like I needed to put the Stegosaurus in front because that is what what has the focus in the book. Um, and, and both of them I didn't end up drawing, so it just made sense to make sure they were in there somewhere and make sure they were yeah. they did get a mention, at least, in the illustrations. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I, lo I love their inclusion. It, it's really cool. And I love, I love seeing the, uh, the mist there coming from the, uh, where the eggs are. Um, and in the, in the real fort, the most 
front part of the page, you've got the, the egg cracking. Yeah. Another detail, again, from the book is the fact that they're actually injecting the eggs. So they're, they're you know, they're man-made uh, eggs. Yeah, they're really messing with them, aren't they, yeah. in the book? It looks like they're meddling, doesn't it? That was the plan. The choosing just red, um, what was that, just to sort of make it feel um, like a lab? I can't, I can't remember exactly the phrasing, but there is a line in the book that says uh, bathed in infrared light. So I thought, let's just go for it. Let's have nothing else but red. Let's just have it pure red. Because I think it sort of adds to the sort of question yeah. mark of whether this is the right thing to do or not. Maybe a slight hint yeah. to Ian Malcolm's position of what's happening, of like, well, this is interesting, but also scary, to say the least. I think it adds a nice sinister tone to what is quite a pleasant image otherwise. I'd agree. And also red is a sign of danger, so it's sort of foreshadowing what's to come. And luckily it, it printed really bright, which I'm really pleased with. I think the book has done better at presenting the red than done a lot of my screens have so that's nice <laughs> good it's come through really well okay so i'm um, moving on to i've called this meet the dilophosaurus because it's our first glimpse of my favorite dinosaur oh i'm so pleased how do you feel about the frills i really like the frills when i first saw the film i didn't know the controversy around it and you know <laughs> just how far out it was but i don't know i just <laughs> I just love the, the way it was presented. I, I, I've just always had a thing. I love the, the crest, the twin crest. Um, I love the Dilophosaurus in the book. I think it, it was important. It was really important, especially since I think it, it's, so, it's so famous for the sort of film version. And actually, you know, in the, in the book, it's, yeah. it's got a different look to begin with. It's, it's more accurate to the real ones or what we know to be what the real ones look like. I really loved the idea of getting as many different species in as possible without sort of cramming yeah. them all into one unbelievable scene. So I was lucky enough um, in 2017, I went to the Dinosaurs of China um, exhibition in Nottingham Ooh. and they had the Dilophosaurus there. So that was kind of like a, a tick on my, on my bucket list. The next one, massively iconic scene, it had to be drawn. It had to be. <laughs> Tell me about this image. For the listeners, we're now talking about the T-Rex the destroying the Land Cruiser. The, the viewpoint of the, of the person looking at the image is essentially sort of Tim and Lex stuck in the car, hoping they're not going to be eaten. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful moment in the film. It's, it, it's one of my favourites, and there's actually like a gif version of the moment where the, the sort of roof comes crashing down on the kids and I use that so often for so many things in, in yeah. sort of digital conversations so I think it's one of the the most popular moments for you know fan art and alternative movie posters and things like that because it's just so big and powerful and such a scary moment I pitched it I pitched it for the cover I pitched it for the title page and I pitched it for the insides because I was like, you have to pick one of these, please. I had no idea I enjoyed drawing the insides of cars so much. That was new because it, it was a custom build. So I had a, a sort of creative license to do what I wanted, I think. But I did try to look at all of the accurate Toyota models at the time to sort of get a feel of what should look right, as well as the ones in the film, because I think that's allowed to get a bit of reference from, you know, little things like, you know, they obviously have a radio of some form and it mentions two screens so I stuck them in there somewhere and then I smashed it to bits basically <laughs> I did I draw it I drew it properly and then I ruined it and then I just had loads of fun bending the metal and deleting bits definitely the hardest bit was getting the body of the T-Rex to look right 
it didn't for a really long time. It was really hard to get the proportions accurate, but then also kind of scary perspective. A bit fisheye, so it looks bigger and weirder. The angle, I didn't realise I'd picked such a terrible angle to draw from scratch until I was in it. I wrestled with the legs a lot. I've mentioned it on my Instagram, but ultimately what made it work was I realised through doing acting it out myself as a T-Rex, I realised that when you lift your leg that high, you have to shift your body sort of sideways. You have to rotate the torso a little bit to get the knee up high enough. So once I'd worked that out, it made a lot more sense and it seemed to come together. But yeah, so so much research into different T-Rex skeletons and trying to find 3D models that I could move, you know, using all my toys at home to try and flex them enough to work out what that would be. But yeah, I mean, I think I nailed it. It got to a point where I was a bit a little bit blind to it in the end. I ended up drawing the rest of the leg behind the car as well, just to make sure it seemed physically possible. It's really imposing. I, lo- I love the foot up on the on the front of the car there because it's. Um, you mean you're not going anywhere? No. That's basically what that yeah. says to me. You're prey. Um, head head on, smashing through the glass there, the fence, um, and the the palms, and also the colour of the sky as well. The fact that you've bought the rain in front of the wrecks, so it very much feels like it's coming into the car. They're very much exposed. Living through that would be absolutely horrific. Terrifying. And then, of course, you read on to find out about the car being hurtled into the air and thrown up into a tree. Yeah, Tim's watch getting broken. That's something I I should have mentioned about the previous one, actually. I made sure Tim was wearing a watch. That's why his arm's up on the... um the window side he's he's eager to look out the window but also i wanted to make sure you could see his watch because it gets broken that's a bit later. <laughs> oh that's that is an excellent that's really good I, you know i completely missed that i saw the watch but I, I didn't think about that but yeah that's that really plays a part you, it's not something you need to notice but it's something that i realized if someone read it and then went back and looked for it it had to be there so it's it's sort of a making sure covering my tracks i will do that i've just received it i'm <laughs> going to read it through again and i will definitely go back and restudy each image you can find any mistakes i've made and let me know no, i haven't found any i'm sure there's something someone's someone's t-shirt might be a different color somewhere i've tried my best reading through it i did make notes of like as soon as a character came up i made note of every description that came about alan's boots things like that just everything i could think of did that go up on the spreadsheet that didn't make it to the spreadsheet but basically i had like a journalist style little flippy notepad that i sort of like you know flick to page alan grant and then see what it says Yes, he's definitely got a beard. He's definitely got this shirt on, things like that. It's really nerdy. It's not glamorous at all. I love the attention to detail. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of my favourite favourite uh, in the book. The next one is my actual favourite in oh. the book. So we're, we're in the Avery. Well, what was the thought um, with this particular... Again, it, it was a little bit like... Well, obviously, it's, it happens in the third film, but with a different species. So it kind of made sense to highlight that. The Sierradactyls, I hope I'm saying that the right way. Is that how you say it? I struggle with that as well. I think they're really overlooked as a... Like, they're in the book. They're, they should be everyone, on everyone's tongue. They're not very well known, and there's not very many examples of them in reality. I think there's one really good fossil, and that's... Yeah, it, I found it really interesting that he chose that one. But the scale is lovely. They're a good size. They've got really nasty teeth. And also, I was really trying to push having loads of different perspectives. And so having one from way up high, just before they dive bomb everybody and scare the hell out of them and try to 
go off of Lex. It seemed like a really fun one to add, which I thought until I started drawing it, and then it wasn't fun at all. Because drawing the sort of building at that angle was horrible, and drawing yeah. the trees at that distance was really tricky for the way I draw. And then playing with the light as Did well. Did you use the perspective grid on this one? Yeah, I made another one. But ultimately what I wanted is a real nice close-up of, of the dinosaurs, which again was a bit of a mistake because there's not that much information about them and there's not much sort of accepted paleo art. There's a lot of fan art. I have the power of accessing quite a lot of journals and things from academics that I think otherwise have a paywall. I abused my university powers a little bit to find <laughs> i basically go on google scholar and find as many publications about sierra dactylus as i could which was really valuable actually i found a few really good bits that included some pictures that were helpful or descriptions about arm lengths and stuff or wingspan yeah i got a bit crafty with that one it took a lot of work but i think i did all right yes yeah, steve brusatti okayed it so that's fine by me what was that like actually getting to work um with someone first-hand, um, someone who is a paleontologist. Yeah, so he, he's he been a consultant on a lot of things in the past, uh, walking with dinosaurs being one of them, um, and stuff like that. So he was always on my radar anyway, as sort of a real-life Alan Grant person to look up to. And he'd done, he came to Sheffield, uh, where I live, and did a talk for a literary festival because he'd just released his book. And... It was great fun. He's he's so passionate and engaging and really good at speaking about it and just getting everyone excited about dinosaurs and his findings. He's he's currently working in, in Edinburgh University and he's basically doing loads of field trips out in Scotland and finding loads of footprints and new species of pterosaurs and stuff. So he's he's always someone I sort of looked up to and, you know, I love his book and things like that. It got to the stage where I was starting to draw the real final drawings and we'd approved all of the ideas and stuff. And the Folio Society said, would you like a consultant of some sort? And I was like, oh, yes, definitely. Try this guy, please. See if you'll do it. And sent them Steve's details and he agreed to it, which is amazing. I Basically what happened was I ended up drawing all of the line art first and not colouring it in and we sent that off to Steve so he could sort of have a look and say what he thought. He's really nice actually in that he didn't really suggest much. Begged that we added some feathers to the cover raptors just as a nod to modern beliefs of you know, how feathery they were. They were frills on the head. Yeah, there. so it yeah. was really tricky because I, I really want them to be right and accurate but the description in the book is, you know, scaly, crocodile-y skin and so that I couldn't, you know, my hands were tight. My job is to draw the book, not to draw modern day raptors. So, so yeah. I mentioned that, and you know, they were sort of orange with stripes and all this sort of stuff. But he's like, do you think you could get away with having some feathers on the head? Yeah, just sneak them in. So, um, yeah, we all agreed to that basically. I think it works really well, actually. Yeah. Adds another dimension to the animals. I think it says we we understand to the hopefully the the real dinosaur people understand that my hands are tied. But they've still got a tiny bit of a nod. And I, I rotated the wrist yeah. as well. The the wrist um, pronation, hopefully, is good enough. I know they're probably a bit more... They're a bit more hand-like than the real ones. But hopefully there's... You know, they're not, they're not like the broken Jurassic Park raptor wrists. Also, it's a bit of a... A bit of a nod to the Jurassic Park 3 raptor yeah. um, as well. Yeah, I thought uh, so. They have the thrills. A little bit, yeah. Um, this Going back to this particular Sorry, picture, yeah. I mean, I love the fact that we've got uh, Terratops Lodge um, <laughs> in this. 
again, I mean, it goes back to me loving the, the buildings on yeah. the island and the roads on the island and the, the tunnel tunnels and whatnot. But I love the fact that you've got the shadow of the Avery itself. I almost missed it. I, I'd, I'd finished the colouring and then I was like, oh no. So yeah, I went back and added that later. But yeah, I, you're right. I think it just adds to the whole idea of like, there is a limit to the sky where they are right now. They move their wings behind them and they're actually coming in. So it's just at the very beginning of that attack. I watched a lot of, uh, I rewatched a lot of David Attenborough for that. I got I got some seabird videos up because I, I figured they'd be similar. So I like the idea that it would be as accurate as possible to... Yeah, diving down immediately. But then also you've still got the one at the top that you get a bit more of detail on and you get to look at his face. As soon as I saw it, I was just all over it, looking at all, looking into all the detail. Great. Picked up the shadowing of the Avery and the, the viewing platform. Yeah. And the three of them stood there <laughs> looking up. Oops. Just You can just imagine their realisation yeah. that, you know... And they're completely out in the open. <laughs> Absolutely, they're completely exposed. They, they need to move really yeah. fast. Next one we've got here is the upper raptor stakes. Yeah, that's a good description. <laughs> We're with the raptors, with the stakes, yeah. in the kitchen. Um, and we've got the night vision goggles. Yeah. That's the green coming through. And just that slight pickup of yellow in the eye yeah. as well. Yeah, I wanted to hint at the night vision. Um, originally, I pitched the drawing as just the raptor and the stakes in the kitchen, but again, the human element was a bit lost. So I suggested we yeah. have the night vision view and you know a bit of a hint at the sort of the edge of the goggles to sort of frame it. Um, so we were we were first person watching this happen, and I think again that sort of helped make it more terrifying because it it sort of puts you in the position of being stuck in that kitchen, just hoping it eats the steaks because there's a bit of suspense isn't there there where it might not and it might not work at all really well written yeah so and again it's such a nice moment in the film as well as the book it's so iconic visually with the raptors sneaking around talking about the film when i first watched it that was the the scene that got me the yeah. most as far as being <laughs> scared was concerned just the way that it was put together um and the fact that they, they you know they open the yeah. door and they come in it's absolutely terrifying. And then reading the novel, yeah. same thing. You're just not sure if it's going to work for them. And the writing leads you to sort of feel that, you know, they're so close to it not working. I can't decide which one I think is scarier because in the film, obviously, they can see them, which is horrifying. But then in the book, only Timmy can see them when he's got the, vis the night vision goggles. So the idea of being entirely in the dark and knowing they're in the room with you. I don't know if that's better or worse. I've not decided yet. I think I'd rather be in the movie situation than the, the night vision one, I think. Although, I don't know, because maybe, can they see in the dark? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what are you thinking in a situation like that? I love the fact that you've got the hand there. That sort of really brings it first person. Yeah. We're back in the perspective of Tim. It's so close, but because you've, you've got the, the raptor sort of effectively facing away from Tim, but glancing around and down yeah. to the stake, it's so close to seeing him. That's what I wanted, yeah. I wanted to make sure you could see the face because that's, that's the scary bit. That's the bit with the teeth. That was the plan. And to have the nice the nice big claw right right up next to you. Yeah, and the fact that if that turned on you, you yeah. would absolutely no, have no chance whatsoever. That's the, the last image in the book. It's a really excellent piece of work. Oh, thank you. I, I think any fan of Jurassic Park should absolutely definitely go out and uh, and get a copy of this book. It's it's a brilliant 
addition to any collection. And it's a great opportunity to read the novel if you haven't or yeah, revisit definitely. it if you've read it years before. And then with the addition of these images, right from the vibrant front cover and then the detail that you've put into each of the, the, the pictures that you've drawn throughout the book, it's a really excellent piece oh, of work. Oh, thank you. I mean, so it's, it's based on an excellent piece of work, so it wasn't the hardest thing in the world to create these images. It was just so well depicted from the start. It was a dream job. There's the, that's the best way to put it, I think. Dream job. Okay, so, uh, so my next question, with your um, the sketches that you did in the first instance, you were saying earlier on in the interview that you drew a number of different ideas before removing them from what we finally got. Did you, had you drawn other iconic scenes? For example, did you do anything with Nedry or the control room with Arnold and, and Malcolm looking through the, the numbers? I really didn't want to do the control room because I knew that that would turn into the film by default. You know, there's only so many styles of computer around at the time and ways to lay that out. The sixth Stegosaurus, which obviously is in the film, but as a triceratops like that, that sort of moment seemed like a really nice moment to capture, but it just didn't quite make the cut. But yeah, just the the weather starts to change in that moment, and it gets a bit more worrying as they as they also realise, as you know, that you know maybe people aren't as clued up as they should be dealing with these enormous monsters, like they don't even really know what they're eating or what they're doing. Yeah. So apart from that, I think that was my my fight that I was prepared for. That leads on to my my next question of the, uh, the sketches or the drawings or the ideas that you had um, to include in the book. If you could pick one more, which would that be? I feel like I accidentally answered that in what I did after the book was finished. Um, I ended up drawing the uh, Mayasaura stampede scene. Because it was rejected, it, it was fair game, and I, I had to get it out of my system. I really wanted to draw it. So I did already do that. I was going to come to that. <laughs> so that might have been my answer, had I not already done it. Um, my other answer would be, from this point, I really loved the idea of drawing the moment where Alan and the kids are in a raft floating past a Dilophosaurus. Oh, nice. I've I might still do it. I'd just do it as a poster or something. Cause oh, I'd love to see the that. The rough worked really well. And the only reason it didn't get chosen is because it was too close to the other illustrations. Like, it was... The, I think the gap yeah. between uh, the raft, the Sierradactylus, and then the kitchen, there's 50 pages between all of those. So it just, it was all too close. So it got cut because we already had the Dilophosaurus. But if I could add that in, I would definitely pick that one. It's such dense foliage, then you've got the river and you've got the raft. And it kind of reminded me of the film A Quiet Place in that they were... They were being deadly silent. And also there's sort of like this bearded action man helping the kids. It kind of made me think of John Krasinski as well in that film. It's what, that whole moment just made me think yeah. it was just really tense and terrifying and silent. Just that description of having the, the Rex or the outline or the shadow, however you would Just hinting at that. it in the back, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's a bit like the Indominus Rex that can camouflage. I know the Rex doesn't camouflage, but the fact that you could, you, when you just see that outline, I don't know how you would convey that in an illustration that the idea sounds it sounds really good it would it'd probably end up being sort of really dense trees like it describes sort of next to the river like the mangrove trees and stuff like that but then maybe just the sort of the hint of the silhouette behind those trees i'll work it out i'll do it i, I would really <laughs> really love to see that that would be absolutely fantastic 
I, I totally get your point as well, though. There's, there's a lot happens in that bit. You've got to include the Avery because it's such a sort of a one-off set piece within the story. And the kitchen, you know, that's got to be in there as well. Yeah, it kind of had to be. Stampede. Um, I was going to get on to some of the, the other things that you've done that are away from the book, but... Um, that's, I love that picture. What caught my eye initially was the one in the, in the most foreground in the top right hand corner, that sort of concerned look. And then I noticed the rest. I didn't even see it at first. I sort of, I was concentrating on the, on the foreground and it just completely comes to life. It's really good. And the, the dust and the chaos really comes through on that picture. In the same way that it kind of does with the, with the Gallimimus in the film, it's just that sort of urgency, rushing, just utter terror. It's a really fun bit. Of, I mean, it's all fun, isn't it? It's hard to say it's the fun bit of the book. It's all fun. And then also a species that we don't see in the film. So it seemed quite nice to include those. Really, really good. People can go to your website to see that image. Yeah, it's um, it'll, it's on my website, um, vectorthatfox.co.uk, and then it's available as a print in my Etsy shop that is linked from from the website. I'd recommend people go and have a look at, at the other uh, pieces that you've created because there's some really good stuff there. And the the good news is, with with full credits, I am allowed to make some prints of the book illustrations. So I'm I'm planning to do that, but. I'm waiting. I'd, I'd like the book to have its own space for a while and sell those. But yeah, I'm planning to do a couple of big prints, like hopefully really big, of, of perhaps a few of the inside books, illustrations, yeah, maybe the cover. I've not fully decided yet, but with full credit to this project, um, that's been approved. So that'd be fun. Get some that'd nice be, big posters. That'd be, <laughs> see those, see those yeah. up. Would that's the thing. I'm really thinking, something. like, what's the minimum size I want to do? It's got to be pretty big, I think. Uh, it's got to be. I mean, it sounds great. It'd be so imposing as well, wouldn't it, to have yeah. those? Yeah, and it, it's totally possible as well because of the nature of the printing, just to get the best quality, they've, they've been drawn massive. It might not make sense to people who don't do sort of graphics or artwork or anything like that but they're all at 600 dpi which is sort of double what they need to be to be printed they should be able to get sort of a2 paper size sort of you know movie poster size and they should still look fresh yeah i tend to draw um straight into photoshop i've got a, a wacom cintiq which is basically a nice big screen that you can draw straight onto a bit like with an ipad pro but like a mega big version that's really beautiful it's the first thing i'd save in a fire i think or maybe second now i've got my books <laughs> the process is pretty similar to using a pencil in the early stages like a really rough quick shapes splattered all over a page usually too bad to show anyone else they won't understand it but it gives me an idea of where things might sit i sort of once i've sort of settled on a basic plan on that and i can envision where it's going to go i'll end up on this on this project anyway, setting up a bit of a grid so everything is sat in the right place and looks right and like it's actually in the scene and not just floating around on top. And then it just turns into a bit like Interstellar, just sort of endless floating through time, just getting all the details, just reworking over and over again and really zooming in and just drawing tiny little lines and then deleting them again. With this in particular, because I knew things might have to move around quite quickly, what I did was draw each element separately. So on the cover, for example, the tree at the front is one sort of layer on the drawing and then each dinosaur was fully drawn separately and then each one I masked out the shapes of for the colour, added some shadow, added some highlights, messed with the colour 10,000 times. I had to have a break from looking at them when I'd finished and sent them off. I hated everything. So, Did you? I needed, yeah, I needed about Crit a month. Your, your own critical eye? Yeah, I needed about a month to get away from them and then and then I could go back and not hate them. Being a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. I wanted them to look as sort of 
believable as possible, but then also as as sort of graphic and garish as possible at the same time. So you said earlier in the conversation it was about a, a four-month period, three-month period from getting the nod yeah, to Yeah, so the start of January it was approved. Um, I had to get the roughs back for the cover as soon as possible because the printing process had to start quite early on in the year to get it ready for now. So I did the cover... Yeah first yeah and then the rest of it was all pitched and finalized and then i got to rewatch all the films again and just Did enjoy you? all the yeah and then i was really annoying all the way through because i was like oh this is different <laughs> yeah i know it's terrible I, I do that with the hobbit i don't know why oh, yeah. i don't know why it's the hobbit but i can't watch the hobbit <laughs> which is which is three films now um and but just one book that's actually not that long i just spend I, I just can't watch it without picking things out all the time i don't know why i don't know why i do that and nobody else cares no no nobody I, cares. i'm sure I, I, you become the annoying person that just keeps talking over different bits of the film oh, yeah i know i certainly do definitely or just talking to the film yes <laughs> i do that as well what was your first introduction to jurassic park was it book or film first it was film first i was i was born in 1992 so I didn't go to see the original release, unfortunately. Um, I remember I was already into dinosaurs quite a lot. Um, I don't know how much this will make sense to sort of American listeners, but where I grew up, it rained all of the time, like all of the time. And where was uh, that? Is in a little village uh, in the north of the UK, in between Leeds and Manchester. I think is the best description. In a really steep valley loads of trees it was it was quite nice actually because the weather was jurassic park weather it was rain and fog and trees and just fear um, there was no fear but what happened was <laughs> um when i was in school there was a lot of instances where it was too rainy to go outside so they had to entertain us okay. in the classroom and um, that usually involved wheeling the tv in with the VHS video player and somebody yeah. brought in the Land Before Time film, the first one. Quickly I got my mum to buy me all of those that had come out at the time. I think yeah. I think I ended up with one to five of the Land Before Time videos on VHS. And I watched them so much I could probably still sing all of the songs. That's another story. Yeah, so by then my mum knew I liked dinosaurs. And it was coming on the TV. It was like a network premiere. And she was like, okay, let's try it. Let's see if you get scared. So I was about five, I think, five or six. She pre-warned me and sort of set it up to be a funny film by saying, someone gets eaten on the toilet. And that's how she pitched it to me. And I was, and I think it was, I think it was to sort of break down the sort of horror and the fear. I did love that scene. She was right. And all of the rest of it just seemed amazing. Like, you know, they look real. They still look real. I still think the quality of the film is unbelievable for its time. It's it's better than a lot of things we see now. Yeah, so after that it was it was all systems go. It was the pajamas, the toys, everything, everything I could get hold of. Do you do you still have any of your collectible stuff from uh from back I've in the day. definitely got uh I've got comics, toys, I've definitely got really old like little posable models and things like that. A lot of dinosaur socks, t-shirts, jumpers. I've got the sweatpants, the branded JP sweatpants, everything. Nearly last question is, would you like to do The Lost World? Absolutely. If Folio Society uh, wanted to, to go ahead and do that? I would personally love that. I don't think another job will measure up to this one in the same way i think i think that would be the only way to make me feel better about the fact that this job ended <laughs> would be to do another right. 
Um, and in particular because obviously this book exists and and the community know that, but I think the outside world, the people who maybe don't know as much, if they don't know about this book, they definitely don't know about the second one. So I think it would be really good for it as a as a comeback. I think it would be really valuable to the the franchise. So I mean, I would love that. It's it's up to Folio Society yeah. whether whether that happens and and whether I get picked to do it. But I think because I've done the first one, hopefully that does mean I get to do the I, next one. I think one. you've got to be picked to do it, definitely. And, and also, because the what's interesting about the second uh, novel, even though it was written to be made mm. into a film, it was written as a sequel, yeah. it's quite different to... Whilst Jurassic Park, the novel and the movie are different, they generally follow the same themes. It's pretty yeah. much the same story. Um, the Lost World's very different. Yeah. There's elements in there, you know, you've got the trailers and you've got the worker village and different bits and pieces that you can point to um, and some character names as Definitely. well. But it goes in quite a different direction. Yeah. So to see some, some illustrations, some images from your mind of the second book, I think would be really excellent to see. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, I think. I agree. <laughs> I'd love to see it. And on the back of that question, if you could just pick one um, scene to, to draw um, that you can think of now, what would you, what would you do? Oh, such a hard question. I, I mean, ultimately, it's the same thing that I always got in trouble for with the first one, in that all I want to do is draw all of the dinosaurs. So I, <laughs> I think Carnotaurus would be fun would be so much fun to draw. Oh, what a demon-looking thing. So, last of all, last but not least, what is next for Vector That Box? Ooh, good question. I mean, hopefully it's it's the last world, but you never know. I think if it is, it will take a while. There needs to be a good yeah. lead time. There needs to be time to make the book. So we won't be hearing about that, even if that does happen. Um, like I said earlier, I'm I'm moving house very soon. I've bought a house. Unfortunately, it's probably a lot of packing boxes and shoving them into the back of a truck. Um, I've I've got a few I've got a few more like prints in in progress. I'm doing as much self-directed stuff as possible at the moment. We'll see a bit of everything. Drawing the roughs that didn't happen. I think will be a nice thing to do next. Will you make that available through your Etsy Probably, shop? Probably, yeah, or you know, something through my website. I'll work it out based on what what's sort of most effective that I can really lower the cost or make sure everyone can get one. Well, um, thank you very thank you. much for giving over your time and talking to me about the work that you've done uh, on the novel. I can honestly say that it's it's absolutely brilliant work. Thank you. It really is. It's fantastic. It's here right next to me. I'm going to read this book from uh, front to back <laughs> and go back over the images time and time again. It's also beautifully presented in the, um, uh, uh, what's the, the term, the, the box? Uh, the uh, slipcase. Slipcase. Yeah. Uh, with the sort of almost real feel yeah. finish, that was, finish um, on it. That was a bit of a surprise for me. I knew there was going to be a slipcase and I knew they were aiming to have like a textured sort of skin feel. Um, when I when it was sort of presented to me as an idea, they I think they were thinking of doing dark green, but yeah, I only found out when I actually received my copies of the book that they they'd matched the skin tone to the the raptors on the cover. So that was really nice. I think it works really well. I agree completely. And when you slide it out there, and of course you have the raptors, it just sort of finishes it off. It really makes yeah. it it makes it more of a collector's piece as well. I think. Yeah, um, and and hopefully protects the image on the book. Yes, <laughs> a bit longer. Well, that's so true. It's a bonus. 
I agree, but I think mine's going to be on display uh, out of the box, I'm afraid. Very it might, nice. might be in the background, but um, that front cover just sets out with the fence there. And the illumination as well of the, the light, the red light on top, um, yeah. it, it really comes off the page. It, it almost feels like it's lit. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. Where can people uh, find your work? We've talked about your Etsy shop. My sort of artist brand name is uh, Vector That Fox. On any kind of social media that you can share pictures, I think I'm I'm on it under that website uh, is vectorthatfox.co.uk or .com and Instagram vectorthatfox, Twitter vectorthatfox. I've got a neglected Tumblr account <laughs> if people are still on that. But yeah, I think Instagram is the main one because obviously it's the one where I can show pictures. It's been a pleasure to meet you and to, to talk to you and brilliant that you managed to get associated with this book that so many people absolutely love to bits and a, and a franchise that's really, uh, really is right up there. So thank you very much for your time. Once, a long time ago, I was on safari all the way through the Cretaceous to the Jurassic in one day. My. Go and live in the forest with the lions. <laughs> there are no lions in the forest. The last of my breed. You're still the best. I mean that. Queen's English girl. Bath. 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 Not bath. You're not a wild animal. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie? Yeah? It's Tom again. He says he has to talk to you about the last chapter. Just tell him I'm not going to lose the Jack Horner quote. My editor thinks he's a paleontologist. It's two things that we have in common. All right, everybody, let's uh, let's get down to business here because I have in front of me a 30th anniversary edition of Jurassic Park from the Folio Society, and they were kind enough to ship this out my way. And uh, uh, let me give a review here of the copy and posted. A, I posted a video over on our YouTube channel, so go check that out. The, the the contents, it's a little different. It's not the same audio that you hear over on YouTube. But um, yeah, they shipped this out to me, and I was um, pleasantly surprised with the amazing, first off, amazingly packaged this thing was secure in there and i know that is always something that i i worry about with um collectible items and uh especially toys and and figures and and all kinds of good stuff like that i'm always worried about the the packaging and the folio society nailed it uh huge wrappings in inside there the book itself which has a, a nice like kind of like a hard cover uh, outside of the hard-covered book, but there's a big uh, binded case here that, um, you know, it goes in, and uh, that was even wrapped in plastic, but I also got in there a little uh, notebook. It came with a little notebook, and uh, unrelated to Jurassic, and then uh, a nice little bag uh, to put things in, and then a little uh, Folio Society little booklet that has some interviews and great stuff in there. There's actually an interview with uh, Joe Breeze, uh, aka Victor That Fox, who illustrated this book. So I'm I'm assuming this all comes standard. I don't I don't know exactly, but it was really awesome to unbox that and see how well it was packaged and that so much was included in that that box. So. Um, so like I had stated in my, uh, video review, I was kind of surprised I didn't, I didn't know that this thing came in like this amazing little sleeve. It's, uh, it, it this kind of, I'll say it kind of feels like dinosaur skin as far as I know, 
look, I've never felt a dinosaur, guys. Um, but this <laughs> this feels like a nice like hide um, that uh, you would expect on a dinosaur. It's it's textured. You can actually feel uh, the the pattern in there. It's really impressive. Um, it's kind of like a nice cardboard sleeve that the book itself goes in. I didn't expect that, so that was a nice little addition there. And then the book itself is massive. Um, it's huge. Um, I I brought it up in my video review as well, but I, I brought out my original um, edition of Jurassic Park, which is, you know, it's, it's the tiny paperback version, and it is just demolished beyond repair at this point. It's got tape all over it. Half of the, like, corners of the pages are missing, um, and this thing is, it's old, like it's from the nineties and it's, it's worn, it's worn down and, uh, I, I love it. You know, this is my original copy, but, um, this thing here that I have in my hands, this, this new edition is just a completely different beast. It is, uh, you know, what I like about it is it's, it's its own brand. Um, it doesn't really cop, and it doesn't at all really copy the stylings from the film which I think is great outside of a little kind of like a little nod on the fence there, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll describe the book itself in just a little bit, but um, the, it's, it's its own thing, which I really, really appreciate. It doesn't really borrow from the films because it is its own animal. You know, the book is so separate and so different than the film um, that I really appreciate this own interpretation of the novel itself. You know, it's not trying to copy something from the film. It's not trying to, you know, it's not trying to steal anything from the from the film. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, the Jurassic Park logo, it's it's a, a very, you know, I know the one of the font choices um, for Jurassic, it's a, it's a bit different, but it, there's one that you can find on like any computer out there. And it's kind of like called Africa, I believe. And it, it looks a lot like that. It's a, this very like, rugged texture for the font choice and all that i love it um it has michael Crichton. it's got the folio society logo down there and jurassic park on the um binding itself so that's it i mean that's that's the only branding that you're getting and it like i said it's not like it's branded jurassic park it just says jurassic park in that cool font um i don't know if it's a font or if it was actually drawn i uh, sorry i don't know that but um but man this artwork is incredible um, Vector That Fox, Joe Breeze, huge shout out here because this is, uh, really, really amazing. I, uh, I didn't know what we were really going to be getting into and, oh man, I'm noticing even now I'm noticing some really, really intricate touches here. Um, so what you get here is, uh, uh an image that spans the back cover and the front cover and it's, uh, three Raptors that, for for all the uh, toy fans out there from the early '90s, this these raptors really replicate the um, the screaming raptor uh, toy from Kenner. It's got the orange uh, the orange body with a darker orange striping. It's got this like bright green eyes. But the difference here is these are feathered Velociraptors, and they kind of. Uh, they don't necessarily look like the JP3 Raptors, but they're it's more reminiscent of that styling. But these are straight feathers, and it looks incredible. 
really makes me want to see that in a film. Um, so you know that these these guys are angry. They look they look very drastic uh, in nature. They do they have that styling to them, but uh, it's its own interpretation, and I absolutely love it. It's so they're standing in a paddock, not in that um, that you know that paddock that you'd see in the film. This is its own uh, paddock out in the park. It's amazing. It's got a waterfall in the background, huge jungle landscape, puddles all over the place, rocks, mud dirt it's it's incredible and uh it looks like there's like a trap camera on one of the trees there's all these vines this now this is a detail that i just noticed there's all these vines hanging down from the trees in front of the raptors and i i can't believe this but they look like dna strands and that i'm sure is not a coincidence that is incredible and uh, a touch that he didn't even notice within my video review so uh incredible stuff you know doing a review it's kind of like Oh, you, sometimes you miss these little details as you're going through things pretty quick. But uh, this is awesome. There's like a there's a dragonfly flying around. There's plants, uh, trees, everything going on here. It's amazing. This is so good. So one of the raptors on the back is actually sniffing footprints that are uh, like actual human footprints that are traipsing through the mud. Uh, there's a big electric fence. Now, this is like one of the only things that does replicate that Jurassic Park film styling is this electric fence with the danger of 10,000 volts. It's got like a kind of like a hazard sign thing and then the the, the blinking light up top. Um, but yeah, outside of that, that's the only like iconography that really, you know, uh, speaks Jurassic. One, one other nice detail I found here which I don't know if this is intentional or not, but uh, it's it's either a really cool nod or um, an inadvertent like tie. But the the raptor's eyes replicate the um, the Ford Explorers from the film, which is a really interesting detail. Now that color scheme is just pure Jurassic to me. Um, you got this green eye with a black slit for the eye, but also surrounding that black slit are these like red stripes. So that is very, very cool. A nice little detail. Like I said, I don't know if that was intentional to, uh, you know, to kind of replicate the Ford Explorers from the film, but man, it looks really cool here. So this book feels phenomenal. Like, I don't know what this texture is, but it feels amazing. Um, I always like books that feel this way, but uh, a very cool detail is the fact that this book has uh, this this prominent raptor on the on the outside of it, and it a is actually textured, and you can feel it's a bit slicker and textured, so it actually feels like it's kind of popping out a little bit. You can feel that texture of the skin, um, but it's only on the forefront raptor there. So this is this is amazing. I love this so much. Um, inside, you have uh, an incredible like. Uh, uh, just incredible art here that uh, has some eggs and uh, a little jungle landscape there for the floor for the ground floor of the jungle. Um, what looks to be a shattered egg, but also it could be like just a dinosaur fossil skull. Um, looks awesome. You got some footprints in there, and then you have the book itself. Um, oh, let me see. I don't even know if I showcased it. Oh yeah, I did. Um, so in the opening of the book, it says Michael Crichton Jurassic Park. There's this very very awesome lush landscape that uh kind of represents what you see in that like welcome to jurassic park moment you got a bunch of apatosaurus here and uh it actually says welcome to jurassic park on this really rugged wood sign um this is what i love about this book is like it, like i said it's not it's not as um 
sterile and high tech as the film version. It's literally just like wood signs and uh, just rugged nature and everything. It's just really, really beautiful. Um, but this is a black and white image here in the very pretty much the opening of the uh, the book here, the first few pages, and uh, really amazing stuff. So there's there's a bunch of um. I think it was six, uh, I'll, I'll get those details to you, but I think there's six um, original like artworks in here that you can find within the novel itself. Um, so you have this one scene uh, with Compies here eating at a baby's crib and like a hand illuminating a flashlight on the scene, the scene and it is just, it's brutal. It's brutal. Ugh. And um, let's see, what else we got here? We have scroll. I'm just kind of like a scrolling. Um, <laughs> I'm just flipping through this. We don't we don't scroll in books these days. <laughs> um, you have a nice like straight red image of a lab here from uh, Jurassic. And it looks like uh, Dr. Henry Wu, I'm assuming right there. Um, they're all messing around with some eggs and uh, a bunch of people walking in. This is very cool. This is awesome. You got a trike there up on an image, a stego up on an image on a screen. Um, but uh, what else we got here? We have another image here as I flip through. Oh, I didn't even showcase. I didn't even see this before. But uh, this is really, really cool. This is, um, you know, the scene basically where, you know, you see, I think this is Timmy here. Um, looking outside the, the, the truck and you see the Dilophosaurus out there. That is very cool. That's awesome. Man, I love this artwork. I love it. It's super cool. And um, oh, we have one here for the T-Rex breakout scene. Awesome, awesome looking. It's just like smashed through the vehicle there. Oh, super cool. Um, nice rainy scene. I, but there's a bunch of these little prints in here. Uh, that was one. Let's see. Where's, I know there's a few more. Sorry, just bear with me. Um, oh, this one is very cool. It's like three Tranodon flying up above and down below. It looks like you got Grant, Lex, and Tim. Very awesome. You have another one here. Let's see. What's this one? This is a full green image uh, as, as somebody here is inside the uh, kitchen spying upon a velociraptor and uh yeah these raptors look really really awesome love that so much um but uh let's see here i think that was like one of the last images there might have been one or two that i missed in there but um man this is great and you got that that green image on the back uh back not the back cover but the back inside um with the eggs and everything again and one thing i do know is that um uh, there is, you know, Jurassic Park is known for having its scientific aspects and all the printouts and readouts of science information, science, scientifical information and uh, computer readouts as far as like graphs and, uh, you know, layouts for the dinosaurs and, and how many are uh, in the paddocks and whatnot. And uh, apparently these have all been recreated to kind of reflect that, I guess, that that 80s 90s aesthetic from from the original book and uh it really nailed it it looks awesome i, I love it i think uh, i'm looking at one here there's a height distribution for the pro comps to nathids and uh it's a it's just like an old-fashioned graph 
Um, and then the total animal species list here with all the expected found and uh, versions and everything. So, yeah, this is really, really well done. Big pages. Uh, it's got all the different iterations, all the stuff that you know and love from the book. Um, and it's massive. I'm looking through here and this thing as a huge book is still, let's see, 438 pages. And then there is a little acknowledgement page as well. Um, but this is really great. And one little detail that uh, I found via the website was the fact that these, uh, I guess these these prints here, the, the artwork, uh, the dinosaur artwork and everything was actually signed off on by paleontologist Steve Rosati, who is working on Jurassic World Dominion or has worked on Dominion as the paleontolog uh, paleontological consultant there in that same role that you guys know uh, as uh, Jack Horner has done over the past films. Uh, so Steve Brissotti, I guess, signed off on this, which is really, really cool. Um, and especially the fact that he is working on Dominion as well. So, you know, this is great. I, this is great artwork. Uh, a great installment of the book, and I honestly don't think you could get really much better than that for the 30th anniversary edition. So here's a few facts uh, just to back up what I was saying before. I'm looking at their website, foliosociety.com, and checking out the Jurassic Park page, you can see there's some production details. It says, bound in printed paper with soft-touch lamination and textured spot varnish. Uh, so I guess that uh, that describes what I was feeling on the outside back and front cover with that Raptor there and uh, maybe even uh, that uh, casing for the uh, outside. But uh, let's see here. It's for like it's oh, 448 pages, six full page color illustrations, one black and white illustrated title, double page spread, 27 integrated black and white graphics textured paper slipcase. Okay, so that's the uh, slipcase. And this thing, like I said, it's big. It's a, you know, it's, it's I feel like it's a, probably a standard hardcover edition size. It's like nine and a half by six and a quarter inches. So very, very big. And like I said, illustrations here approved by renowned paleontologist Steve Brissotti. But yeah, I think uh, that probably wraps up my uh, little conversation piece here on the book itself. I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a, a worthwhile purchase, something that you can either uh, put up on a shelf, uh, display outside of its little case there. The artwork is straight up art. It is beautiful. It's amazing. Um, the artwork inside is well worth it as well. Um, it, yeah, I feel like I feel bad because all those pieces inside, I, I want to see those more too, but they're inside the book. Um, but this is, this is great. This is really, really good. Um, I think I mentioned it before, but uh, the American version of Folio, the Folio Society's web website has it listed as fifty nine ninety five. Um, I know recently this did go out of stock, um, so so head to that website foliosociety.com, secure your copy because I don't know what the stock looks like on this thing. So I just want to make sure that you actually get one um, so that you're not out of luck there. But this is this is an amazing edition, and Vector that Fox killed it with the artwork. Folio Society killed it putting this package together. It's really, really amazing. Now, I don't know what uh, the shipping looks like this holiday season for the Folio Society and how quickly they can get something out to you. But, uh, you know, if this is not something that's on your wish list for Christmas, uh, put it on there. You know, put it on there whether you get it Christmas Day or not. This is uh, this is something I think all collectors should probably have. Um 
like I said, I have uh, and Jurassic Park is a is a book that whenever I go to a uh, you know a thrift bookshop or something like that, like an old bookstore, I'll I'll pick up any Jurassic Park edition that I see. Um, so I have many copies of like paperback copies, and I think I might have a few hardcovers as well. But this thing tops them all. And I'm not just saying that because they sent it our way. Um, it really is incredible. And I, for Jurassic, I, I really, like I said before, I really appreciate the fact that this is something different and something new, a new version, um, not just a copy and paste of old stuff. And I know a lot of artwork and, and a lot of things that you see out there can tend to be a lot of the same stuff that you see all the time or copy and paste. Um, it, this is not that. This is really, really beautiful looking stuff. Um, I think it's new stuff. And like I said, it's a it's a unique look at Jurassic Park. And I think that's all you can ask for. So remember I said I had a seven and a half hour uh, live stream. I think that's catching up to me. I'm starting to lose my voice here after talking for a while. So thanks for listening to my little look here at the book. And I hope you uh, pick one up yourself and uh, find some joy in it because it is pretty amazing. Thanks again to the Folio Society and a big shout out to Joe Breeze, Vector That Fox, for the amazing work. Thank you so, so much for listening to the 259th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Thank you so, so much to Ben uh, for working out all the details for this episode for the most part uh, outside of my review. Like, he he edited his segment there. He contacted us, got in touch about airing a conversation with Joe Breeze, and uh, I, I am thrilled. This is exactly the kind of show that I'm looking to produce all the time is content from the audience as well. People who listen to the show, people who participate in the Jurassic community, whoever you are, that's why we're always, uh, you know, accepting new segments and not even just segments, but one-off spin-off things just like this, or even if it turns into something further, who knows? That is the beauty of the Jurassic Park podcast. I think, uh, having the availability to put something up produced by somebody else and showcased on the channel for uh, a pretty wide audience to to listen to and in, and to enjoy and to learn. And then that's the biggest part is learning about the process of making this book, uh, the insight from Vector That Fox, and uh, learning uh, the craft. And, I, and that is a, that is an amazing thing to be able to do here and to be able to showcase. So I'm very happy to showcase it for you guys and so uh, honored that Ben sent it our way. And uh, thank you so much to Ben. Make sure to go follow Ben at Jurassic Site B over on Twitter and uh, follow everything that he does over there. And of course, uh, he does have uh, some copies that we're going to be giving away with him. Uh, so stay tuned for some more information on that. You can check it out on our social medias and, uh, of course, on our website. And uh, probably stay tuned to our YouTube channels as well. But um, also huge shout-out to Joe Breeze, a.k.a. Vector That Fox, for joining up with Ben and uh, talking all about the book and the work and just you know being a part of our show today. And I think that's awesome. Hopefully we get the chance to do this again sometime. Uh, Like I said, I really, really appreciate it. Also, uh, a huge shout out to the Folio Society for being kind enough, like I said earlier, and and many other times. Um, But uh, I can't say it enough. So thank you guys so much for sending a copy my way so I could take a look. I'm going to put this thing right up on my shelf. 
after reading it. I gotta read. I gotta reread this book. Um, I know I'm always saying it on here, and uh, the fact that we don't cover the novel itself in depth enough. Um, I'm. I want to change that because it's been a while since I've read the book. Last time I read, um, it was on my old edition, and it's been a while. So I want to familiarize myself with the context of the novel itself because. Most of our conversations here center around the films, and I know a lot of our listeners are always asking, hey, talk about the books, talk about the books, and we're going we're gonna to definitely do that. So stay tuned. I'm going to dive into this book, even though I don't want to bend it or I don't want to ruin it because it's so good. <laughs> um, so just thank you so much to the Folio Society for sending it my way. Make sure to go to foliosociety.com to grab your copy of this edition. You do not want to miss out on this one. This is great. But before we end things here, I actually wanted to go ahead and read a review. So if you guys are going ahead and leaving reviews over on Apple Podcasts, it's a very easy thing to do. It'll take you uh, just a moment of your time. Uh, You know, we produce so much content here and... uh, you know, I should actually bring it, bring up the uh, information because I found it really, really funny. Um, over the weekend, YouTube sent out some information as far as like your stats and stuff over 2020. And it says here, when 2020 went off script, you kept us inspired by uploading 6,059 minutes of content. Yikes. So, uh, yeah, so we did a lot of content and, um, you know, all that content is free content, so the best thing is to go ahead to Apple Podcast and just leave us a review. And uh, it takes like two seconds to just leave a review. You can do a five-star review. We'd really, really appreciate a five-star. If you don't agree with that rating, you can re- leave whatever you want. That's fine, too. I read all the in- uh, all the um, the reviews over there. So this one here, uh, let me just double-check. I think it was five. Yeah, five-star review. Uh, This comes from Steve 123 and it says, Amazing podcast. Uh, I have been listening to the Jurassic Park podcast for at least five to six months now, and I can't stop. The commentary is super entertaining, and you make episodes very regularly, which is a hard thing to do. (laughs) You ain't kidding. Uh, But keep up the good work and dedication to this amazing franchise. P.S. I love the intros, and when Tim says... Well, we're back. My brain just says in the car again automatically. And uh, yeah, that was it. That was a review there. I <laughs> I got a kick out of that one. That was awesome. Thank you, uh, Skello Steve. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm glad you think the commentary is super entertaining. And we do make, uh, we do make episodes regularly, <laughs> which is, uh, for the most part, every week. Uh, every now and then we'll take a, a little break or hiatus, but... Uh, you know, we've taken maybe like two or three longer hiatuses over the course of the past five and a half years, but um, very small in comparison to five and a half years. And uh, for the most part, very regular episodes every Monday. And yeah, it is a hard thing to do. <laughs> it's a very hard thing to do. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, shouting us out for that work. And uh, the intros when Tim says, well, we're back. And yeah, that's it. I, I cut it off right there because I, I uh, when putting together these intros and bumpers and all these things for the show, I, I always want them to kind of reflect what's going on in the show, whether it's a, a change in a segment, going into the news. I try to relate all those things to the news uh, clips from the films or, or behind the scenes stuff, 
like Amber Fine's uh, episodes. I, I try to center those around Amber. Uh, the Jurassic Wire has like some wire snapping and like uh, it also does pertain to news and stuff like that as well because that's always like a news related uh, segment. So everything I try to do centers around what's going on in the segment. And with the intro, it's like, well, we're back. <laughs> and I feel like Tim, uh, you know, Tim replicated that feeling, that thought every every week for us. He replicates that feeling. So it's like, well... We're back at the Jurassic Park podcast. I hope you're ready for it because there's going to be a lot of content. And uh, I, I always appreciate Tim uh, sharing those feelings in the same way we all feel here at this show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always I always um, associate these audio clips with the full audio clip. Like, you know, in the car again. We're back in the car again. Or sometimes when I'm watching the films... You know, when, when Journey to the Island starts playing in the film uh, and that music cue swells in as the helicopter goes in, that's the same cue that we use for the uh, the intro, underneath the intro of the show where I come in and every time that part comes on in the movie, I'm like, hello everybody and welcome to the Jurassic Park podcast. And I'm like, I've kind of ruined that part in the movie for myself because that is the audio cue that I use and I cannot help but hear that in my head as I start the show. So yeah, it's just one of those things that uh, I either uh, help enhance your viewing of the films or I probably ruin them. But (laughs) what are you going to do? Anyway... I really, really appreciate uh, any reviews. So thank you, Steve, uh, for reviewing the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. If you guys go ahead and review it, I will go ahead and read your reviews over on the the podcast here every time that I can. So thank you guys so much for doing that. And uh, you know what? Coming up on the holiday season, make sure you're out there, uh, you know, being as kind as you can, as positive as you can. I know we have our uh, our charity drive, Jurassic Gives Back, over on our YouTube channel. Go ahead, go donate some money. We'd really, really appreciate that. That all goes to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Everything uh, that, that is donated, 100% of the donations go to them. Not anything is taken from us. All the fees are handled by YouTube. Um, it's strictly a YouTube uh, charity drive. So we chose the charity um, and all the money goes straight to them. So please go donate to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia over on our YouTube channel. And uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. It would be awesome if you could do that. But uh, like I said, be kind to everybody out there. Be safe. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And of course, as always, enjoy. I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to myself for the outro. Take it away. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod and myself at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to subscribe. Also, don't miss our toy hunts and reviews, in-depth bonus content, live streams, gameplay, events and theme park coverage, and so much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of every episode, so please be sure to spare no expense. 
Don't miss us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode show notes, wonderful articles, bios from our contributors, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or email us, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now. Okay, team, listen up. We've got a new predator on the loose. Not you, Blue. The predator we're talking about is the coronavirus. Now I'm going to help you spot the main symptoms in the wild. First, watch out for a high fever. Second, a dry cough like this. Third, trouble breathing. It might even sound like this. Whoa, whoa, back up, Blue. Don't forget about social distancing. Keep at least six feet away from anyone you don't live with. Good job, Blue. We all have to be extra vigilant if we want to beat this virus, even if we don't have any symptoms. That means always protecting ourselves and each other. Because this virus, it's invisible. It's made up of germs just like these. It could literally be anywhere. It attacks our bodies. Oh, Blue! Hang on, Blue. Drop it. Drop it. It's okay, girl. It's okay. Which brings me to my last point. Always wash your hands thoroughly for at least 20 seconds with soap and warm water. No! Hey, come back here! Remember, we're all in this together. Teamwork is our best defense. Blue, blue, no! Don't eat the soap! Drop that right now! Oh, should be burping bubbles for a week! 